Greetings, folks. Welcome to episode 88 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, Ben Sharp, aka Cloud Kicker, discusses his first band, and I recommend the band Vampiric. But before that, I welcome Frank Godla onto the program. Frank is one of the co-founders of Metal Injection, the mastermind of the Slay at Home Virtual Music Festival, and the drummer of the death metal band Night Soil. Frank came on to discuss all those things as well as his creative and personal drive, world travel, or rather the lack thereof, recent struggles, and more. So before we dive in with Frank, here are some of his work with Night Soil. This is Odeo, which features Jessica Pimentel from Brujeria and Orange is the New Black on vocals. First off, you know, thank you for joining me here on Far Beyond Metal. You're one of those people who've kind of been in my life to a degree for a long time, but I just like never thought to ask. So, you know, thanks for coming on, Frank. Well, hey, thanks for having me. I'm uh, honored to be here. Thank you. And I don't know if you re- do you recall the f- the like one time we met IRL. Um, can you remind me? Uh, it was at South by Southwest 2013. Uh, <laughs> oh wow. Uh I I I gotta say no because totally fine. it probably means that I was drunk if it was South by. Oh, that's for the best because I was very drunk when I, I ran up to you and I was like, Oh my god, I love metal injection. Hey, is that that guy from Metal uh Metal Blade? And you're like, Yeah, that's Brian and I just ran over and I embarrassed myself in front of him. I'm like, that was cool. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brian's a good dude. I'm sure he gets it all the time too though. Oh yeah, I had him on the show, and I was like, I don't expect you to remember this, but I embarrassed myself in front of you. Uh, thanks for not making me feel weird about it. So, uh, no, he's the best. I uh, love super Brian. sweet. So, how has your whole like COVID situation been? I imagine not great, but uh, how have you been keeping busy? Um, I mean, that's oh wow, that's definitely a handful right there. I um, I started off doing really well, you know. I, I think when everybody else was kind of falling apart and wondering, you know what to do with their lives and everything, I kind of realized that as a, uh, you know, I'm actually a a very germaphobic person and uh, sternotophobic. Um, Oh, I don't know that word. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, I don't want to get too graphic because it'll actually like skeeve me out. Okay. (laughs) Interestingly enough, enough, but it's just uh, like, I don't do well with people who sneeze around me and stuff like that, you know? Um. So, I mean, I've always been that way, you know, and, and, uh, so, uh, you know, for instance, I, I, you know, because of, of metal injections brought me all over the world and, uh, I really got into traveling around to different various places in the world, including places that, you know, I wouldn't really expect to find metal and through all my travels, it just, uh, increasingly it, it, like my, my, not my fears or like my, you know, my, my, uh, pet peeves for the way people interact with germs and stuff, um, really kind of hit me hard. And, um, you know, I, I actually kind of stay clear of, of public places a, a lot of the time. I mean, of course I go to metal shows all the time as well, 
Um, but you know, when I don't have to be in the middle of everything, even though I live in New York city, it's it might sound weird. Um, but yeah, through, through it all, I think I just had like this, uh, like this weird, you know, mentality or, or germ psychosis that, um, when this all hit, I, I was like, oh, this is for the best. Finally, people are going to be start paying attention to what they do and the germs that they share. And you know what I mean? And, um, I start, I was doing really well because I also really love to give myself projects, you know? So I was like, oh, well, this is going to be the year where I, you know, finally get around to, you know, learning Spanish and juggling and all these other things, you know? Um, but I, sad to say, I, I did start all those things, but I never actually finished them because, um, well, two major things happen. And, and one of them is that I started uh, this thing called Slay at Home. And it was a, a festival that I, I came up with early on, you know, as I was kind of talking to all my friends who normally would be on tour and stuff like that. You know, I, I had just gotten back from Germany and, um, you know, I, I was grounded and all my future travel plans had, you know, uh, dried up and as well as, you know, everybody who was going on, on tour and stuff like that. So we were kind of commiserating and, and, you know, hanging together on zoom and whatnot. And, uh, talking about it. And I kind of just, you know, realized that like a lot of my friends are, are out of work and, and they don't really know what to do or what's next and stuff like that. So, um, I saw, uh, a couple of like mainstream companies try to put together festivals. And when I checked them out, I realized that these festivals were all pre-recorded material from like, you know, South by Southwest in 2007 and, you know, like other stuff like that. And it was just kind of lame. Like it was really just a playlist that they were uh, parading around as a festival. And I decided to do it better. You know, I was like, I want to actually do new, you know, clips that, you know, and, and original performances that nobody's ever. And, uh, you know, then some collaborative efforts and stuff like that. And put it all into a festival, an online virtual festival in support of something positive that will come out of this. And, you know, that was how it really started, you know. Uh, the second thing was, uh, you know, my, my father, he uh, was sick. Um, he had cancer and um, he it developed during the pandemic and... Um, a couple months in, I wound up going to Pennsylvania. You know, I was I was quarantined and I didn't see anybody anyway. So I kind of went out to Pennsylvania and to, to, to help, you know, take care of him um, until, you know, the day he died. And um, that was, that definitely took up a lot of my time during the pandemic. So, and um, I mean, it's been a few months now. So I kind of came back to New York and ever since it's been, you know, I mean, throughout all this, it's been really busy with metal injection. So I don't believe that I've had a similar quarantine experience to a lot of people out there just because there's so much going on in my life. Um, but yeah, that's how it went. First off, I'm I'm very sorry to hear about your father. I did know that from, you know, social media and stuff. Um, and it's the whole situation is tough and I, that had to compound it. Um, I, I also saw the part uh recently where you 
put on a GoPro and rode a motorcycle around to show him kind of like this ride that you guys had in mind. Um, how have you become a motorcycle guy kind of because of this now? Cause that seems to be a lot of your Instagram now. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is my dad, he had a very large influence on my entire life. You know I mean? Like metal, I don't even think metal injection would exist without him. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, I, I got into heavy metal because of him. He was a metalhead, you know, when he was young, I mean, he was a metalhead till the day he died. You know, we, in fact, like our last conversation together was talking about all the metal shows that we wound up checking out, you know, over the years. Um, and he was just like a really big influence in my life in a lot of ways. You know, I'd like to think that I'm, I'm a, a blend of both my mom and dad, as most people are, I guess, you know. Um, but they are people who have very distinctly different um, and uh, interest. And I'm really just a product of both of them, you know. Um, and my dad, he was you know a huge music fan huge metalhead loved going to shows and he was also a motorcycle enthusiast since he was a kid you know like he everybody kind of knew him as an MC, and he was part of a lot of motorcycle clubs um when he was here in new york um and he continued riding of course uh while he was in pennsylvania he's lived in he was living in pennsylvania for the last i don't know like 15 years or something um and you know it was a really big part of his life and I always had an interest in it, but it wasn't until I, you know, when he was first diagnosed last October, um, I spent a lot of time around with him, you know, naturally. And uh, I mean, I always did go visit him, but I, I spent a lot of time, you know, taking him to hospitals and stuff like that. And, and you know, when the pre preliminary diagnosis comes, there's a lot to do and figure out. Um, and I, since I was there so much, I, I kind of, and around his bikes and, and, you know, I was talking to him about motorcycles. I kind of realized that like, you know, why haven't I went out and got my license? I wound up doing, you know, I got licensed in scuba diving and boating and I was going for my pilot license for a while. And I was like, why haven't I gotten my motorcycle license? You're a man in so, many vehicles. I didn't know this. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I always had an interest in, in life. You know, I live like life at 88 miles an hour. I have to know everything and feel everything and do everything I possibly can in my time here, you know, because I, I always felt like death really was an, uh, uh, a thing in my life that I was, you know, terrified of and um, really inspired me to live in a weird way, you know? Um so yeah, so I, I wound up getting my motorcycle license, um, but it once I got it, it was already a little too cold to start going out with him. And you know, as his cancer quickly, it, I mean, it, it it progressed so quickly, there was no time. You know, I mean, like he, within like three months, he was unable to even hold up a motorcycle. You know, and uh, it it kind of became apparent that it wasn't going to happen. And, you know, I watched him, you know, just wither away. Um, and it was so difficult. And I mean, like, I still don't even have the words. It's just feelings, you know? Um, and that night I, uh, one night I, I wound up bringing a book, I'm sorry, a GoPro and I strapped it to my chest and I wound up riding his bike and, um, you know, showing him 
the ride and and he was really touched by it you know and and because all he he always said that like it was his his one wish to go on a ride with me and and that was kind of my way of bringing him on a ride with me and uh you know that was the the night that he collapsed and he wasn't able to you know he went into the hospital for the final time and um you know uh about a week later he passed away sorry i this is the worst time for my cat to be meowing sorry if you hear my cat <laughs> no I, I, it's fine um i love kittens so uh, i mean she's she's amazing just whenever anytime i record she sits outside the door and screams at me um so do you have since we can't like do any world travel i know that was a big part of who you are like are you planning on like a cross-country bike trip or something um like are you able to scratch that itch now with with uh two wheels rather than a plane <laughs> uh yes and no at the same time i mean traveling is a really big part of my life and a lot of it has to do with uh, absorbing different cultures you know it's like one of my it's become over the last 10 years it's just become one of my big things to do my it's a fine happiness in some way you know and, and it feels so small at the same time like we could as human beings we can feel like the world is our playground or, or you know everything's centered around us and then you go out you know to nowhereville africa and you realize like how insignificant you know everything you know and surround yourself with really is you know and um i love that feeling i love i love throwing myself in uncomfortable situations and and learning new experiences and you know seeing tasting smelling all sorts of weird things um and uh so no I, I i certainly can't scratch that itch on a motorcycle or really any other way except to travel to you know far-fetched places mm. but it, yes it does it's a new delight in life for sure um to get on two wheels and just go and, and kind of see you know the same way i kind of saw scuba diving as a new way to see a place um so whenever I do go travel to a lot of these places, I look if there's a dive that I can possibly do because, you know, what better way to see Costa Rica than from the air, the land, and the sea, you know? Um, but equally as amazing is, is motorcycling, you know? And, and uh, you know, now that we're stuck here at home, of course, like I'll, I'll just jump on my bike and, and go to, you know, I don't know, Vermont or Philly or wherever, you know? Uh, I wanted to touch on metal injection just a little bit. Like I've, I've had Rob on, what was it, maybe last year, a year or two ago. I forget the timetable, but he's talking about like the 15th anniversary and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but what first got you interested in like metal media production and writing about it? And, you know, it's the whole whole thing you guys started doing. Um, uh, honestly, I, I don't say that there was an interest in it. It kind of like just fell on my lap. So I've been a metalhead since I was a little kid, you know, and I was actually a musician first and foremost, you know, a drummer. And, um, what wound up happening is I was managing a, a company, a telecommunications company. And this girl asked if she can bring two guys to, uh, for a job interview. Uh, cause I was looking for new, new hires. And one of those guys wound up being Rob. You know, and the other was uh, our friend Greg, who was wearing an Opeth T-shirt at a time that nobody really knew who Opeth was yet. 
And I walked into the room and I instantly said, wow, I don't know what your guy's deal is, but you're hired just based on that T-shirt alone. And um, yeah, that was basically it. So Rob wound up working for the company that I was managing and he was just getting into metal and he asked a lot of questions. You know, he would come to my office and, um, you know, I, I, like he would spend his lunch break listening to me talk about metal bands and stuff like that. And one day he, you know, uh, popped the question. He's like, hey, man, you know, like you d- love metal like so much and, and always talk about it and know so much behind it and all the bands and stuff. Have you ever considered, you know, doing your own TV, uh, TV show, you know, because you're always do- you're talking about like Headbangers Ball and, and whatnot. And um, I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Why not? Like I... I do love heavy metal and I was actually a VHS tape trader. And so I had like all these uh, cassette tapes and uh, not cassette tapes, but VHS tapes of, uh, you know, live uh, performances and music videos and all kinds of stuff like that. So really that's how it started. We started metal injection as a, uh, you know, uh, Brooklyn Cable Access TV show, sort of like Wayne's World. The, the story of Wayne's World is essentially the story of uh, Metal Injection, you know? Was there more or less Rob Lowe in your situation, though? I'm sorry? Was there more or less Rob Lowe in your situation? Because he's in Wayne's World. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was, you know, me and Rob making a dumb TV show, basically. Like, we would put like comedy sketches and skits in between music videos. Um, I'd hand off the tape, you know, to the cable access station and it would run like late night, basically on like Friday nights. And it was just something to do, you know, and, and it felt good to be part of something that wasn't a band. You know, I was in so many bands and stuff like that. Um, and through that, we wound up getting in touch with labels and realizing that there was an interest online, you know, like, I mean, we, st- we predate YouTube. You know, so if you could imagine what creating a website for a TV show, how hard that really was at the time. You know, we had to kind of figure out how to host our own video on a flash player. Um, You know, there's a lot of firsts. Like we didn't set out thinking like, oh, we would be this sick website. We just kind of did a fun get together TV show, um, you know, that I would just sit there and painstakingly edit for hours and hours and hours. And I was new to that as well. Like I didn't know anything about, you know, video production or anything like that. I kind of like figured it all out. I mean, if there's one thing that I've always uh, been proud of, I guess, it's that you could throw me two feet into anything and I'll figure it out. You know, like if, if I'm not ready for it, like, fuck it. Like how bad could it be? I'll figure it out, you know? Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it started. And it's, since then it's gone through so many iterations obviously you know and we've added a writing element to it the news element the reviews the photography i mean it's it's definitely uh, every year it's kind of snowballed into a bigger and bigger thing and here we are 17 years later you know (laughs) like it's sometimes even i look back and I'm, i'm looking at it and i'm like it's crazy you know how how what it's become really how did you feel like when you realized it was your life? Cause I mean, you start off as cable access thing and, and uh, you know, you're just a fan, but I don't imagine you thought this would just become who you are. Um, I, in a weird way I did actually, like, I don't, 
take anything lightly, you know? Um, any bandmate that I've ever had in my life, they'll tell you that I'm like 110% dedicated usually to, to what I do, you know? Um, and this is no different. You know, like I committed from the get-go, like, I mean, I, I, from the get-go, I was like spending 10 hours in editing, you know, a dumb TV show and trying to figure it out from there. And, um, it only got worse. You know what I mean? Like it, it consumed my life, uh, to the point where I was so adamant about making it with metal injection that I quit my job prematurely. And, I, it didn't work out. So I wound up, you know, getting an opportunity to go on unemployment because my company was moving and I was like, yeah, sure. I'll take the, they actually offered for me to relocate to Maine. And I said, no, I don't, I want to relocate. You know, I'm from New York city, you know, want to stay here. So, um, and the job was not important to me whatsoever. So they gave me unemployment and I use that time to try and make metal injection, you know, uh, a, a thing to, to make it to like pour out as much content as I possibly could and uh, make the company worthwhile. And hopefully, you know, it would lead to advertising that would allow us to quit our day jobs or at least me quit my day job. And it didn't really pan out that way, you know, so I wound up having to find another job and then something similar happened where they were downsizing and I took unemployment again and I did it a second in time. Um, and then even a third time, I actually quit my job to try and make mental injection a thing because I saved up enough and I was like, this is it. I feel it. You know, I'm going to I'm going to do it this time. And it did not work out again, actually. <laughs> um and what wound up happening is I wound up getting a really like no brainer job. I was working at a, a film uh, delivery service in an office by myself. And it allowed me because, you know, film was on its way out, you know, like I'm talking photography film. Mm -hmm. It was on its way out and it, there was so much ample time that I really had a lot of time to spend, you know, with mental injection while I was simultaneously getting paid for this other job. And, um, you know, I mean, through all that, through looking back, like, yeah, I mean, there was no time in there that I didn't think mental injection was such a huge part of my life. You know what I mean? It was never just like a side thing to me. It was like, it was the thing. It was my band. It was my focus. Like my day job was, was the side thing to me, you know? So it's always been important to me. It always will be important to me. So uh, since you've always been had such this drive to like get metal injection off the ground, my next question was going to be, do you have any white whale interviews? But it sounds like at this point you would have figured out a way to talk to just about everybody you'd want to. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, certainly there are, of course, you know, like I have, uh, it's weird. Like I haven't actually interviewed uh, Maynard or Axel. Um, I would love to in some weird way, like, but I would also not, you know what I mean? Like I, the thing is I'm, I'm, I don't want it to be a situation where I go in thinking it's going to be one thing and then it turns out to be another, although sometimes that's fun too. But like, yeah. I don't know, like for Axel, for instance, I kind of want him to be a dick, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like there's just something about like a rock star. Like I want him to be a rock star, you know, like, 
And then they're just like the nicest people. And I'm like, oh, like, you know, like, but, but Axel's been one of those people since I was nine years old that I kind of like built up in my head and, you know, I'm like, yeah, I guess it would be cool to interview him. But at the same time, like, I don't, I don't want him to be nice to me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, you know, so like, for instance, Dave Mustaine is, is he could be really awful to me, but, and we actually haven't interviewed together. Um, but, you know, I, I still love Megadeth and I love that he is who he is. You know what I mean? And, and sometimes he's not nice to me and that's totally fine. You know, lately I've, I've been getting out of the house for my, like, I just go out for runs every day and that's pretty much all I'm doing. Um, and I've been listening to bands, discographies, and I've been on a Megadeth run right now. And I think he's so interesting because like on their album, I think it's 13. He has this really like crazy song called new world order which is about exactly what you think it is it sounds like alex jones like speeches verbatim and then you're just like wait what the hell was that and then the next song is about driving a car real fast and he's like a fascinating dude and i cannot figure him out right i mean i i love that you know scatterbrain effect as well you know um yeah he is he is a bag of of thoughts and emotions but oh we all are you know what i mean like and and I always say this, but everybody is represented in metal. You know, you're going to have the shy people, the outgoing people, the weirdos and everything in between all present in metal, you know? Yeah, totally. Slay at Home charity compilation. That was Night Soil, Soil Born, which features past 4 metal guest and a Legion frontman, Riley McShane. I'll have more with Frank shortly, but first, this is my first band. Every musician has to start somewhere, and in this episode, Ben Sharp, aka Cloud Kicker, discusses his heavy origins. Oh, my first band was called Absent Light, and it sounded like... Well, here's what it sounded like. Uh... I fully expect you to go a cappella just now, just like, just like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, unfortunately, not. I was not nearly confident enough to have an a cappella group when I was fifteen. I mean, you've but, got a sweet dapper Dan mustache. I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure what uh, if I'd be a, a soprano or an alto. <laughs> um, so when I was fifteen, I would like my one of the first like metal bands I got into was Avenged Sevenfold. And this was pre Guns N' Roses cover band Avenged Sevenfold. This was like SoCal Orange County hardcore band Avenged Sevenfold. And like the first, I don't remember, but their first album that they put out, I learned, I was so into them that I learned every song on that album on guitar. So my first band was right after I did that, so all the riffs were just me like trying to approximate that album in, in one in some way. And I like came up with my own tuning that didn't make any sense. And like, that's what I played in. And we 
quote unquote recorded one song in my garage and someone I don't know how this happened, but someone on my Instagram, my Cloud Kicker Instagram page had that. Like I had long since lost it. But someone out there had it somehow and they sent it back to me. It was just so bad. Because we like I did a like a multi track recording but the only microphone I had was like the the like stock microphone that came with my Dell computer. So like that's what like that's what we recorded it all with. Um, so it's like a for effort, but it just still sounded really bad. And I'm imagining when you listen to it, you wouldn't want to release that to the rest of the world. I mean, it'd be a point of interest. Like, see, you can still suck this hard and, like, <laughs> and make it out. It's true. Every, everyone has to suck a little bit. At least. Solitude by Cloud Kicker is out now. You can stream and purchase it now over at cloudkicker.bandcamp.com. Then check out my full interview with Ben over on episode 84 of this very show. Now before I wrap my chat with Frank from Night Soil and Metal Injection, here is some of the Abusement Park, which features vocals from Trevor from the Black Dahlia Murder. shift gears over to uh slay at home a little bit you mentioned seeing these like pre-recorded concert things kind of putting it together um and or you know inspiring you to do like unique experiences the first one was a, a few day thing a two-day thing like long chunks of stuff and it's mm-hmm. since gone to a monthly reoccurring thing has it become just like is it a bless a blessing and a curse to be doing it monthly now because it seems like a lot of work um yes i I will say that the the festival the two-day festival it was you know something like six hours each day and that was a lot you know i mean that was uh because i i wound up putting it all together within like four or five weeks and it was just so daunting you know to to get i think it was something like 200 people involved you know on the festival um, and I, and it was by myself really, you know, I, I was coordinating and I had some help from my sister, you know, on the website end. Um, but uh, other than that, you know, I, it was talking to like 200 people to try and coordinate this unionized effect, you know, and it was, it was insane, you know, um, it, it almost, it was actually, uh, my first panic attack. Like my, I actually went to the hospital, um, and cause I thought I was having a heart attack and I was convulsing on the floor and everything. And it, as it turns out, I, I suffer. I mean, I always kind of suffered from uh, deep-seated depression and anxiety. But 
it pushed me into uh, full-blown panic attacks and they were reoccurring. Um, and it you know, wasn't just because of that, but also because of the state of my father. Um, and I felt like, you know, part of, of what I was doing there was for him, you know, it was kind of, I, you know, I, I just didn't to do with my life and I'm sitting here, you know, trapped inside my apartment and, um, wanted to put on a show that he could see. And, um, you know, of course, like working with these musicians and helping them and, you know, the, the effect of the global pandemic and everything at the same time. Um, it was just a lot. It was a lot of pressure in very little time and it created a world of hell. So coming out of that, I'm, I'm proud of it, but it nearly killed me, <laughs> you know? And, uh, I was like, I'm, I don't know if I can do that again. Um, so of course the next you know, logical step would be to do it every month. <laughs> well, it's funny because like it is easier to do once a month. Um, because what I allowed like I really sat down and thought about it. Uh, first of all, the reason I even picked it up again is because once again, my, you know, my dad, my dad passing, like I, after that, I didn't know what to do. I didn't, you know, I took uh, a month off of work, which is the longest stretch I've taken off in like all 17 years, you know? And I just kind of realized that I don't feel so passionately about talking about like, you know, young bands, like single coming out or whatever else, you know, I kind of needed something, um, something that mattered to me, you know, mm -hmm. and, and this was something that mattered. I think it was something that made a difference or something that made an effect and, and something that people would be able to get behind, you know, and, and myself, like, you know, put your heart first. And so that's where I picked it up. You know, I, I, I thought about like, where am I at in life and what are, you know, what are the important things to me and, and slay at home. It resonated really well with the metal community. And I thought like, you know, if I'm going to get back into work, this is going to be my way, you know? And, doing it monthly allows me to uh, not be so crazy about the deadlines, you know? So like if a band can't give me, you know, all their assets and stuff by a certain date, I'm just going to roll them into the next month that way, you know? Oh, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> so because the deadlines I realized were the, what really kill, killed me the first time around, you know what I mean? And, you know, and certain times they still do, of course. Like, you know, I want to have... Uh, every episode, every month, I want to have, uh, you know, a good episode to put together and, you know, filled with collaborations and good sets and stuff like that. So curating this thing is definitely a handful. Um, but, you know, I, I, the good thing is that now that it has a name and it has like a, a rhythm to it, uh, a lot of people wind up getting in touch with me, uh, you know, different artists be like, hey, man, like, you know, I'd love to be part of a collaboration. And I'd be like, I never thought you would say yes to it, but absolutely, let's do this, you know. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really stoked on on what it's become. It's kind of like taken off legs of its own or so. And, uh, and yeah, it's absolutely something that I check in with every single day now um, because, you know, I just have a, a long list of people that I would love to be have be part of this. Um, and the sky's the limit, you know what I mean? Like who wouldn't want to 
you know, do something effective for charity and for the greater good and, and, you know, have fun with it at the same time. And whose idea was the Megadeth cover? I think in the September one, because I would have never thought of Troy on a Megadeth song, but it's so fucking good. Um, so I, Dave Davidson's one of my closest friends. He's also my neighbor. He lives a couple blocks away from me. Adorable. And he's also one of the only people I've seen during this whole quarantine. Um, so we were hanging out one day and I told him like, I would love to do, uh, you know, Megadeth cover. We actually during the, so I, the, you know how this really started is I, I wound up putting together the 15th anniversary show, you know, the self celebration for mm-hmm. mill injection and that was a doozy to put together in and of itself um you know all year long i was trying to get all my friends together to do like a, a jam session you know a cover jam session and you know everybody was out on tour throughout the year um and it wound up going on and on and on and finally at the end of the year you know i told rob i was like hey man i was trying to make this celebration happen but you know everybody's out on tour um i could try and find some you know smaller bands or whatever to put like a celebration he's like yeah whatever it's just a celebration it's all good it was like well before i do that let me give it one last go and see if like everybody's back in town because we're so far out in the year now it's almost the holidays so what it became is uh it was like a december 15th uh party and you know everybody just happened to be home for the holidays and i was just like well fuck it i'm gonna do this you know everybody wound up getting together. So I had Alex Skolnick of Testament and, um, you know, Ben Wyman and, um, uh, you know, a bunch of people, um, part of it. And, and, um, I was just honored and stoked to be like, have all my friends there in the same room working together. And me and Dave wound up doing uh, tornado of souls for that live, uh, event. So going into Slay at Home, you know, looking for covers and stuff to do, I was, I asked him, you know, I was like, hey, maybe we should do Megadeth because um, Rust in Peace was turning 30 years old. So I was like, oh, we, maybe we should dust off the Tornado Souls because he killed it, you know? And um, he was like, yeah, let's, let's do something, but I don't want to do the same song again, you know? So, um, <laughs> so we wound up learning the new song and it wound up being, you know, a bunch of work. And once me and him had his tracks together and we had Pete Griffin of, of Death Clock and Zappa played Zappa, part of it. Um, we were going around thinking of different vocalists and, and Dave was the one who was just like, you know what, man? Like, I could tell Troy's voice on this. Like, I think he would be good. So I reached out and he, oh, Troy is awesome man like he, he's just so easy to work with dude is like such a homeboy um he's like absolutely i don't you know i don't i don't know if i could pull this off but i'll certainly give it a try let me get in the studio in a couple of days and get back to you and he sent it back to us and we were so blown away we we're like dude this sounds better than the original you don't understand like and he's you know he's very humble and he's just like oh thanks man like i don't know if it works but i was like dude this more than works it sounds awesome um and then uh then yeah he sent over his video and everything i compiled it together and sent it out in the world and they seem to agree yeah that's it's fantastic like i love that that's that specific song it really stands out in all this um i'm assuming you already have something for november in production then yes Oh yeah. Um, I don't want to give away too much, but I definitely have, uh, 
some really awesome guests, including one of my biggest musical heroes in the world. <laughs> Part of it. So I'm real, and I'm I'm doing a song with him. So it's like, you know, it's it's pretty amazing. Like what Slay at Home not only does, but even from a personal standpoint, you know, it's it's amazing that I get to play with friends and heroes, you know, alike in in some of these songs. So yeah, I'm really stoked on it. Can I guess the hero? You can guess. Go for it. I'll cut this out if I'm exactly right. Is it Animal? Did I nail it? <laughs> did you say Animal? Yes, I did. From the Muppets? Yes, I did. Oh, yeah. I love Animal. Um, I have that tattoo, actually. That I, I have a question about it later, but yeah, uh, so it's not Animal. Maybe, no, maybe no, 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 uh, no. He is an animal, but it's not Animal. So, like, are you a big Muppets guy? Um, I mean, growing up, I definitely watched Muppets and the Muppet Babies and stuff like that. But I wouldn't call myself like, uh, you know, I mean, there's definitely people who are like super into it. I'm not one of those people. I may have seen the Electric Mayhem twice. Let's 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 move on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, they played Outside Lands, my local like Bay Area kind of Coachella thing I go to. And right. then my wife and I saw that the Muppets were playing the Hollywood Bowl and we impulsively got tickets and then had to figure out like getting our cats taken care of, finding a hotel, driving seven hours to go see a show. And we're like, all right, we'll figure this out. So they like wound up closing the show, doing the songs you'd expect. And it was rad. You're just going for a, a fancy puppet show, but it's still super rad. Would recommend. That sounds dope, man. I'd be down to see that. Um, so I also wanted you to come on so you could talk about your new EP that's dropping tomorrow as of this recording, uh, The Night Soil Abusement Park. Um, it's It seems like kind of a weird time to drop an album or EP, like lots of bands are delaying stuff, let alone like an, a newer project. What made you guys decide to move forward now with Night Soil? Uh, the fact that it doesn't matter, <laughs> you oh, know, well. like it could be, you know, we, we started the band as a joke, you know, um, also, you know, like I, to, personally, I disagree with that statement. Well, not your statement, but like the, the idea rather that it now is the time to delay. You know, I think m now more than ever, people need to have content and consume things and stuff like that. You know, like if we don't have new music out, what the hell are people going to do? I mean, of course, you can listen to the old stuff, whatever, you know, but but the pandemic is certainly no reason to delay, you know, releases and stuff like that. Um I and especially because like a lot of the artists who are on here are doing things and trying to stay relevant. It's just like yet another like thing that they can push or promote and, and stay on top. And um, really the nature of the project is about like collaborating and doing different things. So, um, you know, why not? Uh, why the title Abusement Park? Like it's it's a fun play. And if it's a joke initially, I kind of see that. But like, are you a theme park guy? Uh, no, so I actually, it's funny enough, so the thing is that every vocalist who's part of it, I told them that they should just go as bonkers and ignorant with the lyrics as they possibly can, and uh, this, one of the songs is called The Abusement Park, and Trevor from The Black Dahlia Murder, he, he wrote the lyrics to it, um, you know, and of course, like, naturally, like everybody else, they, he asked me, like, well, you know, what should I sing about? I'm like, I have no idea, just make it dumb as possible. So he wrote a song about um, wearing jean shorts while on a water ride and having the ultimate wedgie that wound up like giving him bloody stains everywhere and stuff like that. It was just 
it was bonkers. But one of the lines uh, in the song, he says, I'm unamused at the abusement park. And I thought it was brilliant. I was just like, that shit just stuck in my head. You know, the words abusement park, that's hilarious. So I just made it, you know, the, the title of the, the release and it works. I, and it's, it's a funny bite sized EP. Like, I don't think there's a song over three minutes on it. And with, uh, Meek is murder, your previous band, there weren't songs that were very long. Are you afraid of long songs? (laughs) Uh, uh, Yes and no. I mean, not not at all to listen to them because I'm a huge fan of Typo Negative, for instance, and they rarely have a song under seven minutes. Um, and, you know, as well, I, I also love Dream Theater. So I, I definitely love bands with long songs. But as far as playing them, I um, I wouldn't be against it if it's, if it's interesting. But, you know, I, I, there's something about keeping things interesting and especially in an ADD world and... Um, where I come from as, you know, as, as a human being, uh, I like short songs. I like keeping it interesting, you know? And then, uh, I know the EP isn't even technically out yet, but do you see more night soil in your future? Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I guess I, I, I shouldn't speak too soon or anything like that, but we are eventually working on new music. Um, Nick is basically a riff writing machine, <laughs> He's always writing sick riffs and throwing them in a folder and sending them out to me. And I kind of have to just go through them, sort through them and start creating songs out of them. I mean, that's really how the project goes. Like he'll send me just endless riffs and I'll, you know, realign them and find their BPMs and start writing drums around them and stuff like that. And I imagine you found a lot of your guests through your connections and friendships made through metal injection and just, you know, being who you are in the metal community. Um, but who are some blue sky guests for release number two? Uh, I mean, I, I don't have anybody like planned yet. You know, it's still too early for that. But off the top of my head, I would love to do a song with David Vincent. You know, I mean, Morbid Angel is one of my favorite death metal bands. Um, Nick as well. So I could see that, you know, trying to me, me trying to pan that out for sure. Um, you know, and I've had great experiences with Dave before, so I think that could work. Uh, Frank from Suffocation, I would love to have him on something. That would be amazing. Um, I don't know. Maybe even, like, you have start having, like, other collaborations. Maybe have, like, a, a, a you know, lead guitar solos by, I don't know, somebody out there. I mean, the sky's the limit with something like this, you know? And I, I think we're going to keep it going as far as having a collaborative effort, you know, with, uh, or a collective rather, you know, with, with night soil and it was never meant to be serious. So we could really do whatever the fuck we want, you know? So the next one's going to be a polka EP. Love it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It could be a rap, a hip hop EP. Cool. You know? All right. Well, thank you for coming on my, my silly little podcast. This is, like I said, I don't know why I didn't ask sooner, but you know, thanks again. No, Daniel, it's uh, it's an honor, man. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, everybody go check out Night Soil and Slay at Home and anything else you could, uh, a metal injection, and that which includes Daniel. That's me. <laughs> Abusement 
Park by Night Soil is out now. You can get a copy over at nightsoil.bandcamp.com. Then Frank hosts and curates the monthly Slate Home Festival. For information how to watch and how to donate, you can head to slatehomefest.com. Then, of course, Frank is a regular contributor and host on metalinjection.net. Now to conclude this episode, I am recommending the Phoenix, Arizona symphonic metal band Vampiric. Vampiric are a band that combines black and metal and gothic melodies into a sound that they guarantee will, quote, take you on a phantasmagorical journey through Transylvania. In August, Vampiric released the album Supernatural Tales. From that album, here is The Embrace of the Vampire in its entirety. Of the night, the fearful grip their nights made as a full moon pierces through sight. They know not of the pain that comes with eternal life. Right webs over like graves of men in love, their is gone. The embrace of the vampire, the walls are howling. They sing their elegy to the becoming. Journey of the night 
of the night The fearful grip their nice mane As a full moon creeps through sight They know not something pain That club of the eternal light I whipped over like great of many lovers The joy is gone The embrace of the vampire The wolves are howling They sing their elegy To the becoming a copy of supernatural tales and other vampiric releases now over at vampiric.bandcamp.com then follow the band at facebook.com slash vampiric band and that will do it for another episode of far beyond metal if you'd like to talk to me you can head to farbeyondmetalpodcast.com there if you're in a band you can contact me to be on the show if you have suggestions for guests any of that good shit that's where you can find it then of course the theme song is far beyond metal by the band strapping young lad from their album the new black courtesy of century meter records and devin townsend himself thank you for listening A Catbox Production.